Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Rebecca Zemanik, Managing Director at Digitas Australia. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Darren. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I imagine you're uh, quite busy even with the uh, the pandemic or particularly because of the pandemic. Correct. But uh, yep. I was looking forward to this conversation because I think like me, you've, you've worked uh, in marketing and advertising with technology for a number of years. Mm. And I'm always surprised because, you know, I, I started in the 90s, last millennium, how <laughs> the transition has happened from what was mm. called interactive media mm. through to what today is almost ubiquitous with digital technology virtually in every part of uh, marketing, mm. isn't it? Mm. It is. And when I think back over that transition, and I've been around since that time as well, uh, it is pretty amazing the difference in what we do now to what we did then. Uh, technology is without a doubt the constant in that in that conversation, uh, and it it used to be, well, certainly it was it was kind of first and foremost, and it was something that you know people really focused on, and they still do. But now we focus more on uh, technology being the enabler to an outcome, and that outcome is inevitably uh, a business problem, a marketing problem. Uh, something that we want to do for a customer, something that their client wants to do for an audience uh, and understand what that is. Uh, so we don't talk about technology in terms of it being the be-all and end-all. Uh, it's a constant and a foundation that will enable all of the other activities and outcomes that clients um, want us to, to help them with, basically. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you use that term, enabler, because too often we've been involved in projects with clients where you know, they've bought into technology as a solution mm. rather than enabling a solution. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've we've gone into uh, marketing departments and they've got virtually every tech platform you could poke mm. a stick at and some of them absolute duplications of each other. Mm-hmm. But mm. none of it actually works together. It's almost like, you know, that the they've collected these toys and put them on the <laughs> shelf but no one's actually playing mm. with them. Mm. Yeah. Have you seen that same sort of trap happening for some marketers? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it, it's definitely something that, um, you know, we see and something that we help with a lot as well because, uh, you know, the technology vendors are extremely good at um, selling their products and their products are very good. Uh, the, the key to success really for any organisation is to really understand, you know, what they need uh, and what they uh, need, not just from a technology perspective, but what they need from uh a, a structural and skill and capability perspective themselves to be able to derive the best value out of that technology stack, whatever it may be. Um, so that's where we find ourselves more often than not, uh, helping people understand where to get the value from it and how to build their own teams to be able to run with that value because, you know, it, it's great for us to be an extension of someone's business or their, their outsourced marketing, um, which we quite often are. But at the end of the day, uh, what we recognise uh, in a truly uh, ubiquitously digital world, as you described before, uh, businesses should be able to run that themselves. That's going to be their business. You know, um, we're technologists, yes, we're marketers, yes, all of those things. 
but we also recognise that businesses are going to need to be able to have some of that capability and to be able to, to you know, make those decisions themselves. So that's what we're around for um, for a lot of the time as well, to help them be able to do that. Yeah, I also wonder whether, you know, because your uh, career has been quite focused on technology solutions, when I look yeah. through the companies you've worked with, it's had a very strong tech focus. Mm-hmm. But I wonder whether a lot of marketers suffer from the fact that they don't necessarily feel comfortable around technology or, mm. you know, it feels like another language that they have to uh, learn and mm. that be, somehow acts as a barrier to them to be able to embrace it. Mm. Definitely. I think technology, um, it, it can be uh, paralysing, definitely for marketers, uh, and I think that you know, technology providers and um, consultants and businesses like Digitas definitely need to be helped to break, uh, have to help to break down those barriers and, um, you know, make it not, you know, quite as paralysing in that regard. I, I think that, yes, I have worked a lot in tech, with technology. I do understand it uh, quite well. Um, I'm sure that every technical director, if they might be listening, would laugh at me saying that. But um, really at the end of the day, you know, it's really all been about experience. You're still creating an experience and technology has been at the base of that. Uh, so if you look back over some of the organisations I've worked for, you, you still have great creative, you know, people that are, uh, de- you know, designing all of those experiences or products or assets or um, that kind of thing. So I hope that I've got a little bit of that on my resume as well. But I think that, you know, marketers need not be afraid Um you know, there are ways to, to get the right experience out of what you've got. You've just got to have the right people around you, but uh, it's not easy. That is transformation. It's what we call transformation. I think everyone's going through it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's another one of those words, though, isn't it, transformation, because mm, a lot one. of people call it digital transformation or, or technical mm. transformation or, uh, or con- uh, customer transformation, you know, we're becoming more mm. customer-centric as the transformation. But you said... But, you said before, you know, that really it starts with, well, what are you trying to achieve? What's mm, the correct. objectives and what are the strategy for getting there? That mm. must be an important role in mm. being able to get a client, a marketer, to actually be able to articulate what their objectives are and then mm. be able to work out the strategy that is going to be technology-enabled. Mm. Yes, that's right. So, you know, we don't look at it, in isolation, you know, we don't we don't think about technology, and we don't think, oh, it's just creative, or it's just UX, or it's just CX. We think about it in in, in a totality, I guess. So when we do go into clients and they say, oh, hey, you know, we've got this brief, or we've got this problem, or this challenge, or you know, whatever it might be, um, we start with you know asking all of those questions and helping them be able to articulate that. And sometimes, you know, spending a lot of time up front doing that is the best thing to do because if you don't, you're going to end up uh, in a very different place than you probably expected. And that's where you, you, you kind of end up with um, problems saying, well, I kind of wanted this, but I really got that. And, you know, how does that work? So we spend as much time as possible as we can up front with clients interrogating them, I guess, in, in the nicest possible way. Yeah. One of the areas that uh, a lot of marketers have uh, talked to us about is that they often feel that, you know, there's people in the agencies and, and consultancies they work to uh, that are able to do that connection, but they quickly get lost 
even mm. with their own teams with that sort of when people start to dive deeply into technology you mm. know and and you uh you made the comment before the technical directors would probably laugh if you said <laughs> you know, if they heard you saying that you understand the technology mm. yeah that connection between the sort of you know the tech heads the propeller heads and and the ones that are often seen by the tech people as the luddites Mm. Is, is a big cultural issue or can be a big cultural issue, can't it? Mm. it? It can be. I think that we have moved on a little from that um, that place. You know, if I think about even five years ago, that might have been truer than I think it is now. I think that a lot of marketers have had to, uh, by force in a way, uh, come up to speed uh, with what, you know, marketing technologies can do for them. And what they should be able to do for them, uh, and hopefully have been able to bridge a gap, perhaps internally with their IT or or, or digital teams, uh, to be able to you know broker those in those conversations. I think you, you do still see a little bit of that siloed behaviour, uh, which does make it I think difficult for organisations to come truly together. Uh, and often we can sit in between those conversations and help be able to translate, uh, without a doubt. And, and and that's the key to success, right? We have to be able to translate. Digitas have to be able to explain that. Uh, in the best possible terms to them. Uh, and I think that if organisations can figure that out themselves, then I'm out of a job. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but um, do you think it's more complicated in bigger organisations or yeah. in smaller organisations, that I, sort of disconnect? Because I can imagine mm. it exists in both, but whether yeah. the complexity is harder mm. in those bigger organisations. Mm. I think the challenges would be different, uh, definitely. I mean, you know, when you're in a much larger organisation, you've got different uh, challenges to deal with. You, you do have, you know, uh, a lot of people to get through sign-offs and, you know, all that kind of thing and who's owning what and, and that kind of business. In smaller organisations, you don't have any of those barriers, but you have the challenge perhaps of not being able to get done exactly what you need to get done from a budget perspective or a reach perspective and that kind of thing. So I think that challenges exist but on different levels uh, for all of those organisations and um, I think solutions exist at different levels for those organisations as well. As a smaller business, you don't need the Rolls-Royce of, you know, platform end-to-end, you know, technical capability. Uh, You just need the right things to do uh, at the right time for your business and that's about business strategy. That's not about technology mm. strategy. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you pair it away, you get down to, well, what's the requirements of the business? What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. And then yeah. bring it in. I think the bigger challenge for and, and for big organisations is all of the moving parts and all the places mm-hmm. decisions get made. You know, yeah. I, I recall an insurance company we worked with that mm-hmm. half the business was using Adobe and the other half was using Salesforce and they actually didn't know that they had both within the same organisation because it was so large, mm-hmm. you know. And, and some of that was legacy, you know. Parts had been brought together and all, all yeah. these challenges that, you know, for, for a marketer on a day-to-day basis just becomes a bit of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can only imagine. I, I've often wondered what it would be like to be on client side. I've never made that jump. Um and, yeah, we see those those kinds of situations happening quite often. You know, a lot of people, um, you, know, uh, you know, just the largesse of an organisation would dictate that that's probably, you know, a reasonable outcome to, to think about that you would end up with, you know, different types of 
platforms all over the place um, and a lot of sometimes what we do is rationalisation of those platforms, you know, once they get to a certain point. I think the other thing is is that, you know, those technology platforms are becoming more sophisticated and the product sets or the solution sets are becoming uh, more refined, uh, more holistic as well. Uh, before I think, you know, if you think back, say, six, seven, eight years ago, Adobe went through, you know, a really amazing transformation of their own, their own business you know, kind of uh, transformation and, you know, you think about where they were as a creative kind of set, product set versus where they are now. It's pretty incredible. Um, and that's been really fascinating to watch and fascinating to be part of. I've been partners with Adobe for a very, very long time. Um, so I think that, you know, businesses have to be really savvy about the decisions that they make um, and the solutions that they put into their business. But there is what's not in question in my mind is that, that they do need these solutions because they can't operate uh, and survive in a world now without them. And they just have to be the right ones for their business. Well, and because you can't scale, you can't scale, you can't respond, mm. you mm. can't uh, you know, uh, take advantage of the huge amount of information about your customer and the marketplace mm. In, mm. in the sort of time that would be required if you were still doing it manually. But, you know, I wonder whether there's a big advantage for companies that have sort of grown up in this, you know, this century compared mm. to those that have bought the legacy systems of uh, the 20th century forward. Because, you know, I know one of the big issues for, for a lot of those traditional companies is, you know, getting things to work together. You know, you mm. talk about Adobe, you know, the experience uh, cloud is, you know, an end-to-end -end solution. You know, Salesforce mm. is offering an end-to-end you know, it used to be CRM. It's so much more than CRM now mm, uh, as, as a solution, you know. So it's interesting if you actually started from day one, worked out what your strategy was and were able to greenfield mm -hmm. a solution, mm. whether you're in much better place than having to, you know, bolt and gaffer tape and stick things together. <laughs> you know? I would. Well, you would hope so. Definitely. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, startups in their own right have their own challenges, um, very different to, uh, you know, big uh, legacy uh, businesses that have, le or, you know, much bigger businesses that have legacy systems. Um, but if you perhaps had worked for a, a much larger organisation than went to start up your own organisation, that would be an advantage because you'd know. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to move away from the challenges clients have to challenges that digital agencies have because an agency with a name that's Digitas, it's it's almost like <laughs> it's in the name, isn't it? It's in the name. Yeah. Well, it means digital truth. So it comes from the two words, uh, digital and veritas. Yeah. Uh, so that's the combination of what that means, uh, which I thought was a fascinating. I'd never really thought about it, actually. Uh, It'd be Latin, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I hadn't thought about it until um, I joined the organisation and, you know, had all the induction and that kind of thing. So I think the challenges for organisation, any digital organisation these days is is twofold, and I've mentioned one already. That is that uh, clients are taking a lot of this work uh, themselves in-house. Uh, so we need to be ahead of the curve and where we where we need to be for clients. And I don't see that, that as so much as a problem as as it is the challenge to be ahead of where the technology and and the digital world is actually going to because it's always progressing and progressing at the speed of light. So clients' businesses, um, you know, our clients' businesses are always going to need, they're always going to need a level of capability, but they're never always going to have 
the full shebang, right? So we just need to be able to make sure that we can uh, be ahead of that curve with them and uh, be always able to be consulting and delivering in the way that, you know, those businesses need, uh, need us to deliver. And sometimes the technology dictate, will dictate that to us uh, and sometimes other market forces will dictate that to us. I mean, the pandemic is an incredible force that's just um, really, I, I think, you know, help, helped businesses transform that, you know, ever-pervasive word uh, much faster than we were ever able to get them to do before. I mean, in my previous organisation, we did very large-scale transformations and, you know, to get anyone to move quickly was, was, was very, very difficult for a lot of the reasons that we said large organisations, you have a lot to wade through, there's a lot to get through, there's a lot of approvals, people have different, um, you know, KPIs and objectives and so bringing that all together is really hard. But nothing accelerated that more than we saw last year, nothing. And I think that that was um, a really, in hindsight, and I think history will show that that was a really pivotal moment in uh, in the business world and in the in the agency world as well. So I think that's a great thing for us because experience is everything, and the client and their users are dictating what they want more than ever before, and they want it now. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, history will show that the pandemic was the death of the power of the IT department to stop progress, mm. you know, mm. that up to then everyone was using, uh, you know... Uh, vid- Any reason they could. <laughs> well, but vi- video conferencing was limited to, you know, two or three very traditional clunky systems because of the fear of the risk it associate, uh, associated mm. with it. And then suddenly you're finding companies all over the place embracing... Uh, Google Meets and Zoom and, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and you know, even with a risk, you know, remember the early days when Zoom took off and suddenly they realised that people could jump into your meeting. All they needed was the, mm. the link and you could get people crashing in on confidential meetings. But it was, it was necessity yeah. that made uh, IT and the CIO suddenly sit up and say, okay, well, we've got to mm. fix this and fix it now. Mm. And let's take some risk rather than trying to lock it down. Mm. You know, so I think if if that continues, then you know, technology, the pace that it moves at, uh, if that gets wound through organisations at that pace, everyone's going to be better off. Mm. I agree, and I think that uh, as hard as it has been, and it continues to be hard for everyone. You know, we're, we're both sitting in lockdown, you know, <laughs> still at the moment. Um, when we do come out of it uh, really, really soon, I think we'll be coming out into a, a slightly different world, uh, you know, and hopefully some things will be the same because we would like them to be the same. Um, but I think in the world that we work in, there will be great differences. Um, I think a lot of the work that we're doing now, a lot of the work that we're centred on and where we focus on is really around that, the data piece now as well and the, and the technology of data. So it's interesting because you know, we've kind of focused on technology a little bit already, but it's now what do we do with everything that we have because we've kind of gone a ways down the path, right? Most people have this, that and the other. But what are we actually going to do with that now and how are we going to work in a cookie-less world? It's coming. Google gave us a little reprieve but it's it's coming. Uh, and how are customers really going to behave and, and figure that out um, because it's, it's the next big thing. I think we've been talking about data for a long time. Big data has been out in the vernacular for, you know, years and years and years, but really what's happened. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's, that's the next horizon and that's the thing that we're really excited about. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, 
I, I think the thing that propels us forward. So it's interesting, you know, because earlier you talked about how technology enables what businesses to do things and it reminds me of Lester Wonderman in the 60s and 70s, you know, he's writing about direct response, but he was uh, using typing pools of people typing personalised letters, sending them out to people and it had mapped how they'd respond with their pre-post-paid envelopes, you know. Mm. That was the strategic thinking of direct response. Now technology is allowing us, and, and to do it this at scale, to respond to people in real time, you know, the, whether it's through email or social media or whatever, we're able to do this. And this is really where, you know, to your point about how do we use big data, it has to yeah. be to make the customer experience more rewarding or more enjoyable or more yeah. engaging because ultimately it's the customer who we're wanting to uh, engage in our brands exactly. and our business and, and buying yeah. products. And yeah. it seems to me as long as we keep the focus on that that customer relationship and that customer experience, I know you, know, you say CX is another uh, potential cliche or another term mm. that gets thrown around. It really has to be at the the forefront of every everything we do, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, there's just there's no doubt in my mind that that is the most important thing. Everything else flows from that. I think what the the concept of data and putting data at the center of kind of the center of your world now as well means that you actually can in two ways, retrospectively and predictively, understand where your customer's been and why and where they will be going. And that's really, really important because if you're any brand in the world and you want to be successful, you have to understand the past and try and predict the future a little bit. Uh, and that probably sounds a little bit, you know, a little bit too futuristic perhaps. I know people don't like perhaps like the concept of, predictive analytics uh, quite as much, but it is a thing and it, and it does exist and, and it's part of AI. That's, you know, absolutely everything that's going to come into uh, into what we're doing. Um, that's for sure. I, I think that's probably the next frontier for marketers that they need to really try and to figure out and conquer. I think personalisation or hyper-personalisation, more overused terms, has just not kind of been realised in any way, shape or form in the way that I think anyone thought it was going to be. That's not to say that it still doesn't get done, that it still shouldn't be done, but I think that it's it's meant to be a little bit more unique than that. Yeah. Um, and I think that data and I will certainly help achieve that. So for, for us, that's what we really think about in terms of a customer experience and the journey and how you're going to actually manage that and analyse that throughout the process. I think uh, your point around personalization is really important. It's been quite clunky in that mm. people have made huge leaps of, you know, or assumptions based on data. But you're right, you know, the thing about AI, will it, it will allow the system to be able to analyse and then test in a way that starts to get a deeper and better understanding on a personal level. I think the problem with the term personalization is, People went, oh, it's knowing your name, you know, your rough age and, and where you live, and that's enough because it's personalised. It's much deeper than that. It's much actually deeper. It's yeah. actually understanding the, the things that motivate you, the things that interest you, the things that engage you, and mm. then be able to respond in a way 
that uh, fulfills your needs. You know, that's really, and I think it's interesting because you mentioned before, you know, Google and cookies, but the changes we've seen with Apple and the latest iOS and the power that that's giving back to the consumer to be able to say, well, this is what I'm willing to share about myself and what I'm not willing to share is also going to have a profound impact, I think, on these developments that you're talking about. Mm, definitely. I, I think that the interesting there is, you know, what, what, are customers, what do customers not want as opposed to what, what do they want uh, as well and what will they share and what won't they share? Uh, and I think that it's all well and good to try and understand what your customer does want, but it, it's almost as important to understand what they don't want uh, in a way as well. So I... Yeah. The interesting thing about that, Beck, is that, you know, uh, you don't find out what a customer wants by asking them because, you know, mm. Henry Ford said if, if I asked them, they'd say faster horses, uh, you know, and, and so and, and Steve Jobs said, you know, he would never have come up with the iPod, but when he said I can put all your music of your whole life in your pocket, that mm. became exciting. To your point earlier about, you know, being predictive about the future is really important for brands because it's not just fulfilling what a customer wants. It's actually knowing how to fulfill what they want before they even know it. Mm. And you can only do that by having a really deep, rich understanding of, you know, what it is that makes them tick. I know I say to people all the time, I don't want range. I don't want choice. I just want exactly what I want when I want it at the price I want to pay right now. Mm. If you can mm. work out how to do that, I'll be very happy. I'll be very happy. <laughs> I always said I used to have this theory uh, for a long time. It's called the seven. I call it the Seven Eleven theory, where uh, I don't want a thousand. It's kind of what you just said. I don't want a thousand chocolate bars to choose from. You know, I want the ten best curated for me, yeah. and then I'll make that choice. So, yeah, I, I think that the rise of the customer. As, as king as opposed to the product as king is the difference there, right? Mm. So the, the shift of power um, puts a really different spin on it and behaviour is very, very different. What people want is very, very different. And you've just explained something that people definitely want and that will be the death knell of any brand online that doesn't behave in the right way or, or have the right systems in place to understand what their customer wants is if you can't give me what I want, I'm just going to go somewhere else because someone else is over there has actually got it. So um, therein lies the world that we live in right now. Mm. And, you know, that's why you and I are having this chat, which is great. I also think it's interesting from the pandemic how so much of retail has moved online. You know, Australian retailers were particularly mm. slow at embracing e-commerce. And yet they've all moved into, even as if it's as simple as click and collect, but, mm. you know, they've now started to understand that uh, while they may want the customer to get in their cars and drive down to the store and walk through the store with their shopping basket, filling it up with things, that mm. customers are absolutely happy with buying online and, and making those choices. The thing that cracks me up is when you finish the e-commerce experience and they give you the net promoter score and I'm going, no, no, it's not about the experience of the shopping. I want the product. You don't get it. 
I'll fill in the net promoter after I get the product delivered, after. not based yeah. on my experience of shopping mm. on your e-commerce site. Yeah, I think one of the great things that we did see uh, as a result of last year was that that push online um, from the e-commerce community, which was, you know, sluggish would be a word that I would use to describe it before that. Uh, and I think Australians really wanted that. I think that we've risen to the challenge of being able to do it. Um, there's no reason why bricks and mortar and online e-commerce can't can't exist in in the same world. And uh, I think that some brands, big ones in particular, were, you know, thinking about Amazon. Uh, and you know, they they land, and and before you know it, they'll they'll be all over us. And you know, if they if they're not already, so it's important for Australian um, retailers to be able to to really be able to facilitate that for themselves and for us. I think it's important for Australian brands to continue to be successful in that mode. Um, and I think that Australians clearly have risen to the challenge. Poor Australia Post, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, if you're a business person, it's one of those problems you'd love to have is, you know, my business mm. is failing because I'm too busy. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got and, too many well, customers and too many packages to be delivered. So, you know, yeah. it's like, well, I think, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, exactly. I think the issue there really is that, I mean, that, that's all about supply chain, right? So it's well and good, all well and good to have an e-commerce store, but if the supply chain, which is another issue to deal with, is not organised, then and the data warehousing or the warehousing, not the data warehousing, the warehousing, then that's, you know, that that's the next part of the fulfilment mm. process, right? And you're not going to give them your NPS score until you get your product. That's right because that's ultimately the experience is once, mm. the, you know, even the unboxing, you know, there's, there's uh, thousands of videos on YouTube of people unboxing because it's mm. such an part of the purchasing experience. It's not filling out the, uh, you know, filling my cart and uh, and going through the payment gateway that's the experience. It's actually then receiving the the goods and o- opening mm. them up. So I think the next frontier then for retailers would, would be, you know, however they decide to do it, is the digitisation of that supply chain. Yeah. Yeah. So, Beck, uh, I want, yeah, because obviously for 20 years I, I've been running pitches and uh, 20 years ago some, a client would say to me, oh, we're after an agency that has digital capabilities. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back then, oh, God, thinking a long way back, you know, this is before uh, before uh, Facebook and, and the other social media platforms 20 years ago. So what they were really talking about was, you know, maybe could do some e-commerce, uh, not e-commerce, um, uh, CD-ROMs, remember those, and, uh, and perhaps uh, a simple uh, website. Um, that's changed a lot. And I think probably about 10 years ago, we saw the big difference was this split as agencies uh, started to build more of those sort of digital capabilities, and I mean digital advertising capabilities, there was a second stream, which I imagine Digitash falls into, which is more about digital technology as a marketing solution rather than as an advertising solution. Is that a reasonable uh, summary? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say so. I, th- I think that, you know, it, it was a bit of a, a mishmash at the beginning, wasn't it? I think that you know, when I first started in, in a digital agency, it, it, I mean, it was pure digital. It was building websites and doing uh, marketing stuff, marketing stuff for for clients like Ford or you know whoever it might be, Ozpost or whoever it might be back in the day. Um, 
And I think what's changed between now and then is that the sophistication of how you communicate with a customer and the experience that they want is, is far more detailed and the technology available to you to be able to uh, to manage that uh, is is far more comprehensive. And it's it's it, it is about advertising in one way, but really, uh, I guess digital is so pervasive. What what does that mean? Mm. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's a little bit of a, a brain crush for me when I, I think about it like that because it's so everywhere. I, I, I don't even see it. I, I don't make that delineation. I guess anymore. It's just what we do, and it's what you know clients want and, and customers want. Whether it be in store, like you walk into a McDonald's as an example, and you've got a kiosk. Like God forbid, you know, I got told what the kilojoules were of my meal the other day, and I had a heart attack. And um, I was like, "Don't show me that. Can we change that, please? Can we change that?" But um, you know, I'm physically in the store, you know, and I'm being advertised at everywhere. But I'm having a, an e-commerce experience physically in the store, yeah. you know. So, what is the difference anymore? Yeah, look, and and it's become a, a real uh, issue for us because you know it's quite a detailed conversation when mm. when someone says, "Oh, I'm looking for a digital agency." Well, what do you actually mean? We started differentiating uh, uh, agencies on the basis of a digital advertising or a technology agency, and what mm. I mean by a technology agency is an agency that is as comfortable talking with the CIO, the IT department, as they are talking to the marketing department, as they are talking to other advertising agencies. So in other words, they become in some ways the the technology enabler, implementer, designer, you know, Mm -hmm. that they can take creative ideas that have come from a creative agency who mm. may want to do the display ads and the Facebook updates and the Instagram updates and maybe make a few TikTok videos. But, mm. you know, that's the, that's the creative agency. This is about mm. taking the ideas in that and then taking it into a technology platform that's mm. in, uh, informed by customer data to actually then produce an experience, you know, a, a, a digital or online experience. Mm. Well, everything you've just described, Digitas can do and does do. Including so, the Instagram updates and the TikTok videos? Correct. <laughs> correct. So, look, we have a production agent um, company that works within Publicis Group as well. So, you know, we work with them on those kinds of things. But, you know, we have a creative team that can design all of that um, as well. And, you know, we have a very broad client base mm-hmm. also. So there's depending on who we're dealing with, will depend on, you know, what it is that we can do. So, as I said, I don't differentiate between creativity and technology. I think that they are intrinsically linked. I think that often and increasingly so they cannot live without each other uh, and they fuel each other. You know, so when we, you know, sit down to brainstorm on something with a client, we don't just have a creative person in the room. We have creative and technology and probably strategy and probably data person as well, you know, because all of those things um, connect the experience and so, you know, it's, it's a great kind of loop back to what we are. We are the Connected Experience Agency. And you can't just have one thing. You must have many of those things working together. Sometimes it's only two or three, but most often than not, it has to be all of them. It might not end up being a huge technology piece or it might not end up being a huge creative piece. But without all of those brains in the room up front, you can't get the best result. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
So, so you, uh, you're positioning Digitas as the one-stop digital shop? 100%. <laughs> and how would that compare? Because I know you're at uh, Sapient, Razor Fish or, or Publicist Sapient. Do you mm. see them as very similar? or Because I have a perception that they really are much more about the, the sort of tech stack than mm. the experience, mm. or am I wrong? Uh, no, 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 no. They um, have incredible engineering um, experience and capability. And, you know, I think Sapient was born out of engineering to start with and then merged with Razorfish, which was that agency piece. The the current version of, of Publicist Sapient uh, is, is the totality of that um, with a very, very strong consultancy strategic lens. Uh, and they talk about digital business transformation. So, we would talk more about the marketing side of transformation and they are for business transformation. That's how I would delineate that, if that makes sense to you. I know that absolutely makes sense because, and look, you know, I'm glad that you're able to differentiate that because <laughs> I worry sometimes the holding companies, you know, generally, and I'm not talking about publicists specifically, but generally mm. holding companies can become so laden with duplicate services Mm. that unless you're able to differentiate it, it's, it becomes almost like, well, we've got three of those and six of those and seven, and it's like, well, why? Mm. You know, mm. you know it, it, uh, marketers don't want choice. They do want uh, lack of, um, of uh, you know, uh, competitive uh, conflict. But yes, yeah. yes, they do. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think even at the higher levels, the strategic levels, that agencies are able to transcend that the same way that management consultants do, in mm. that you know it becomes almost a advantage to have category experience because mm. you know that everyone benefits from it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting coming in from a consulting world uh, into a world where that competitive piece is. Um, you know, it's very, very different. You know, at, at, in in consultancy land, you know, you, you live in an industry like you, you're all you're all about your subject matter expertise. So you work across four banks, you work across three supermarkets, or whatever it might be, um, and so you do become very known for that. So it's interesting for me to come come across into a, a different kind of mentality. Uh, I, I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon. I, I get it. I understand that brands don't want that kind of conflict. It makes complete sense, uh, but it's a shame to kind of waste the expertise in a way. So hopefully one day we can figure that out. Yeah. No, I think it's it's changing. You know, we're, we're starting to see, especially in the very broad categories, you know, like, you know, telecommunications oh. has morphed into content as well online beyond oh. just being ISPs. And so, you know, they could spread their uh, uh, competitive set incredibly broad, but they're oh. not. They're starting to cherry-pick the bits that are most important. You know, financial mm. services is another one. Automotive is another one. You know, people are starting. Mm. It's interesting from my perspective, the more traditional categories like consumer packaged goods or fast-moving consumer goods are very, very, you know, focused on competitive conflicts. Mm. But then the other side of it is, you know, we often get a brief that says, well, we're looking for an agency with uh, automotive experience, but don't have any automotive clients. <laughs> I always, I think that <laughs> How one's, is that possible? <laughs> well, it's a bit like I want the experienced junior to come and work. <laughs> <laughs> come on, boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what do you see? Uh, the, the you know you mentioned earlier about uh, the the future and the use of data in defining the future because you know there's that yeah. great quote that don't worry about the future because we get to define it. <laughs> But the immediate future, you know, we've, as you said, we've got the cookies disappearing. Uh, Apple is uh, doing a lot to put the power back in or the choice back with consumers about what they share. What do you mm. see as the, the really big opportunities, the playing fields that marketers should be considering or businesses yeah. should be considering? Mm. Look, I, I think definitely it, it is around that, that data piece, as I said early, earlier, um, you know, the, the competitive spirit of the online world is only going to become bigger and, and more, you know, more difficult to play in. And so it will be your great differentiator. So if you do have that part of your world um, structured well, and I do mean that from a technology perspective, so CDPs are other thing you really do need to be thinking about without a doubt, in the right way, not in a, oh, I just have to have one kind of way. It's not the CDP that's going to make it work. It's the strategy, the skills in your organisation and uh, your ability to run that out over your, your three- to five-year plan uh, and continually be able to analyse that. The CDP will do its job if everything else around it is, 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 is right as well. So I, I think that's, that, that for us is what we're seeing a lot of and where we're doing you know, some really amazing work with clients at the moment. Uh, and begin, beginning to see the, the, the value realisation of that as well because you have to prove that it works. It's all well and good to say it's going to work, and but it, so you have to prove that yeah. it does. Um, and you kind of need to give that a shot. And a little bit of that is, is risk-taking, kind of put your money where your mouth is, off you go. So for me and for us, that, that's where that's all about. And you can create all the experience around it. That's perhaps not the hardest part to do. And the fun part, that's the fun part you can do. Well, you're, you're right, you know, once you've got the data and the uh, and you're able to have it in a format that you can have insights being mm. drawn and, and, and testing propositions in real time and learning, yeah. you know, having an AI that allows you to learn as you go, the fun bit then is actually delivering against mm, that. Exactly. You know, I, I think it flips it on its head, doesn't it? Because yeah. the old days it was let's come up with the big idea yeah. and then stick it out there and see how it goes. Now I think the big idea is actually going to be successions of smaller ideas that create big responses. Rebecca, this has been fabulous. It's great to catch up. Thank you for uh, taking the time to chat. I've really appreciated it. And uh, with someone with such a, uh, an insight into technology and what they're doing with data, what's your uh, favourite social media app and what's your least favourite? 